Hello, welcome to the Deer Apparition Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter, and with me as always are Rue and Steve. We get together and talk about all things regarding the Deer Hunter, uh, and it's my distinct pleasure to have with us today uh, Nicholas Crescenzo, longtime drummer of the Deer Hunter and uh, collaborator of the music. Nick, how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Glad to be hanging out with you guys. Hey, we're happy to have you. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, so what's, what's going on with you lately? Um, outside of music, how's, how's life going for you? Oh, life is good. I just got back from a 10-day uh, trip to uh, Port Angeles, Washington to hang out with um, mostly my mom and dad with my family. And then uh, also, as a little bonus, I got to spend some time with uh, my brother and his family. Um, his, uh, yeah, his little son's amazing. And he's uh, about the same age. Uh, Rowan's about the same age as my younger son, Charlie. Um, and so, uh, they have a good time playing together and my daughter also loves them. So, so it's, uh, it's a good time and, and I would love for it to happen more often, but it's, it's difficult to, uh, pay four full price tickets and find, uh, 10 days that you can just leave your life and your job and everything and, and go on an adventure. But, uh, uh because my wife's a teacher, summers seem to work out well, um, since, you know, she's getting paid anyhow through the summer and it's really just me that ends up losing money. Yeah, we uh, we actually had we we took some questions from our community over at uh, the meeting of and all things regarding the deer hunter on Facebook, uh, and we actually had somebody uh, Clayton uh, McCurdy. He actually wanted to know kind of about what you do outside the deer hunter. Um, I know you've mentioned before you you work on furniture. Uh, where, where are you from, and what do you what do you do? Yeah, so um, so I currently live in Rhode Island, um, and I actually live down in the southern part of Rhode Island near uh, Narragansett Beach and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, when you are a touring musician, uh, it's either you live with your parents, uh, and, uh, you know, and you get the whole ball rolling by, uh, having very few bills, hopefully, or, uh, people who are extremely supportive of you. Uh, and then you get out and you build a fan base by, uh, you know, finding better and better tours and, and in all the meanwhile, you know, you're really not making hardly anything. I remember Casey telling me about his early days with the receiving end of sirens and, and getting like a $10 a day per diem, which was like their pay and also, you know, their, uh, their daily go out and buy food stuff. Uh, he would like, he'd save it up and then have like a, a crazy Taco Bell run and, and, um, yeah, they just barely made anything and counted on the uh, support of their parents and stuff to to make ends meet. And so since I was living in Los Angeles and playing with other bands, when Casey moved, um, uh, out to Boston to, uh, to, you know, follow a girlfriend that ended up being kind of the subject matter for, for the, or I should say the inspiration for the story of the deer hunter. Um, when he did that, I, I, cause I played in a band with him growing up and, and, um, and I, I really love playing with my brother, but when he left, I, I had to figure something else out. And, and, uh, and I, I definitely love playing the drums no matter what. It doesn't really matter who it's with. I just, I love playing the drums. I get a charge from it. And so I've done, I've done everything. I, you know, I've done construction and, um, uh, I, I did uh, solar hot water uh, with, um, you know, you go up on people's roofs and install these uh, these black uh, copper panels and, and they're heavy and and um, and and then I did construction, just sweating and and working for uh, my cousin, who's actually Max's father, uh, Sean Tussaud. Uh and uh, and now 
um, I've managed to find the very first job where I can actually come back to it. It seems like no matter what you do as a uh, touring musician, wh whatever job you have, you either have to lie to get it or you have to be okay with the fact that they're going to inevitably replace you. But uh, potentially, uh, every time that you come back, if you do have a, you know, a forgiving job where they're like, yeah, we understand, just come and work for us when you can, the people who are able to be there year-round end up, um, you know, kind of taking over the, uh, the hours that you might have when you return. Because uh, when, when the time is slow, like in Rhode Island during the winter, I was working for these uh, event production companies doing uh, weddings and uh, corporate events, setting up lights and sound and, and um, uh, curtains and, you know, making it look all fancy. And, uh, and then, you know, I would go away on tour, I'd come back and I'd have less hours and then the winter would come. Nobody would really book anything and then kind of the business would shut down and I'm, and I'm left trying to figure out, you know, what to do. So this is the first job that I've had repairing Lazy Boy furniture where I'm more or less uh, independently contracted to go out and, uh, and do everything. So I, I don't get sick days, I don't get... Uh, you know, uh, vacations or, or, uh, benefits or anything like that. I just get paid, um, you know, everything without taxes taken out. And then I have to, uh, take care of that myself at the end of the year. Um, so I have to be, I have to be smart with the money that I make, which doesn't always happen. Um, usually, you know, it's, it ends up going to bills or, uh, or whatever. And then, you know, the year comes to a close. And if I don't have the, the mileage write-offs, I got to, I got to try to pull the money out of somewhere or, or pay it back in chunks. And so, uh, and, and more often than not, especially lately when I go out on tour, it's for less money than I, I make, um, you know, just staying at home, which is great that I get to hang out with my family and, and be there for, for dinner and bath time every night for my kids. But, but it, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm not doing what I love doing, but I do enjoy it. The fact that I get to, I get to drive around in my car all day to all these different locations and and uh, make people happier and more comfortable rather than uh, just sitting in a you know a call center fielding complaints or or something like that. You know, it's it's it, like I said, I've done everything. I've worked call centers and and sold used uh, used printer cartridges to people, and I worked a wine of the month club and like uh, I I'm. I much prefer this job and also the fact that they value me as an employee and they, um, they, they ask me like, well, so when are you coming back again? And, and the day that I come back, I have full-time work to return home to. And so, so I got a pretty uh, sweet situation right now where I can, I can get out and, uh, you know, tour for, I'm guessing, you know, probably two months or, or so max and then still come home and, uh, and have, uh, uh, full-time employment. So yeah. How does that, so, yeah. how does that work out with uh, the people in your community? Um, I'm sure they, they all know you as just, you know, Nick Crescenzo, the guy who fixes furniture, uh, hangs out with his family. Do, do a lot of people surprised to hear you're a touring musician? How does that kind of uh, interplay into your life? Uh, you know, I, I think so many people have heard the touring musician story that uh, they're not phased by it at all. Uh, some people are like, Ooh, wow. And then others are like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you you know originals or covers and it's like, yeah all, all originals we have our own music but there was actually one person who recognized me and uh and 
you know, I went to his house to diagnose the issue and, and then I had to order parts. The parts got sent back to his house and then I came to do the work and he said, you look really familiar. <laughs> and I said, you know, yeah, I play in the band, the deer hunter. And then he showed me on his phone, all of our albums. And he's like, I, I thought you looked exactly like, you know, Nick Chris. And I was like, yes, I, I am Nick Crescenzo. He says, I can't <laughs> believe Nick Crescenzo, the drummer of the deer hunters in my house, fixing my furniture. <laughs> and it was like this, uh, it was this famey kind of moment, but also extremely humbling because while he's like, I can't believe you're here. I'm also like, uh, he's a customer of mine. He's a, I'm there to make him happy and comfortable. And so I'm not subservient, but you know, blue collar. And so it was, uh, it was funny, but yeah, very nice guy. And, and I did a great job fixing this chair. (laughs) Actually, there's something you mentioned that that I found really interesting. So you said that you have a family, right? Yes, Um, I do. I have a a five-year-old daughter and a son who's going to be, uh, three in five days. So when you said that you have a um, when you said that you have a um, full family, did that change your dynamic of being a musician on the road, or your priorities, or how what you generally enjoy to do as your, you know, being a musician? Because now you have responsibilities with the full family at home. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, like it, it, it didn't really ch- like I still. Uh, and this is I don't know. Some people w- might care about this. Other people might not. But I've I've always been like full time stoner. I absolutely love smoking weed, and having kids hasn't really reduced that too much. Um, it's not like I'm high all the time while I'm around them, or or acting like someone who is, you know, from a Cheech and Chong movie. Um, when you when you smoke that off, and um, you know, it's it's just kind of. I don't know. It's like having it's like having a cigarette or something. It's not really a big deal. Um, but uh, but yeah, I continue doing that. Uh, I you know I continue uh, enjoying uh, uh, when I get out you know on the road hiking and exploring, but also eating at good restaurants and and uh, hanging out with new people, smoking with fans. So I love like I love I ninety nine percent of the time I absolutely love smoking with fans because it's. It's a time when I can not only like break down who I am and and give uh, the people who were kind of uh, uh, not that we're a huge band, but some people meet me and they're like shaking, and I'm like, well, first of all, I'm the drummer, you know, I'm not I'm not the singer, so there's there's no reason to uh, to have that level of like uh, of uh, anxious fandom. This um, is but additionally, it matters just as much. Well, I mean, it's just uh, yeah, so. I, I'm I'm nothing I'm nothing special or unique. I just I just love what I do, and anybody who loves what they do can inspire others, and uh, and also um, you know I think make a positive impact on someone's life. Just seeing that kind of um, expertise or uh, um, a passion from someone, I regardless of what they do, even if it's lawn care you walk outside and it looks like you're living on a you know a professional golf course and all the flowers are beautifully you know uh, maintained and just it's incredible outside and it it doesn't matter what it is i i find joy in craftsmen and people who uh, take pride in what they do and so i like talking to um uh, fans and breaking down that wall of like i'm just a guy who enjoys playing drums and then also hearing about 
who they are. Uh, like more than anything, I just like talking about life. Uh, I don't really necessarily like uh, fielding a bunch of questions after the show about the story of the deer hunter or what Casey is doing or, you know, anything like that. I just like talking to people about life and hanging out. And I think a lot of deer hunter fans are just really cool, good people. Uh, and I enjoy spending time with them. So, so having the family didn't really change uh, much in that regard. The things that it did change was it changed my focus from uh, just being about me to being able to provide for my family. And that is the most important thing in my life is making sure that my children are fed, clothed, bathed, happy, and, and dry with a roof over their head. You know, it's that's the most important thing. So when I would when I would work a job and then I go out on tour, um, uh, the money would be uh, important, but not a make it or break it. And then also, you know, um, I just cried a lot. Like I really, I'm a proud father. I love being a father and and uh, missing my uh, my daughter for you know the first two years and then my son and my daughter um having them come to shows in boston and then leave early because they can't stay up that late or you know whatever <laughs> it's uh it's just uh it's really 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 tough and i would you know i'd say goodbye mm -hmm. and then i go to the back of the bus um or back into the uh, van the trailer which was just when my daughter was first born and and i would just cry and cry and cry and um, you know, and then, and then once I was empty of tears, uh, then it was time to go back inside and, you know, get ready for the show. And, and so, so yeah, so I, I would say that that was really the only main change was focusing on providing for my family, which wasn't a concern before, and then, um, missing my children. Otherwise everything else was exactly the same. I pride myself on being a, uh, you know, uh, a, a non-complacent, uh, sedentary person uh, who smokes a lot of weed. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's really awesome to hear. You've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, trap getting the opportunity to travel all over the place, talk to different fans. Uh, yeah, all over the world at this point. Where would you say, uh, do you have Do you have a place that stands out to you? Is it always a, a favorite to come back to or um, you have a particularly good experience with? I think the loudest audience we ever had was in New York at the, uh, I want to say the Best Buy Theater. We were playing with um, uh, RX Bandits, uh, which was a really fun tour because they're just amazing guys. And they have a really uh, wonderful crew as well, uh, which is the yeah, same thing with Coheed and Cambria. They're all sweethearts. Um, even when uh, Chris Penny was in the band, that guy, uh, aside from being an absolutely amazing drummer that has influenced me, he was also just just an amazing person so they've uh, aside from one lighting guy that they had on a tour who was an irish guy and he was a piece of shit um uh everybody else on uh on those tours have been uh have been fantastic people um and and they make the the tour that much sweeter so so new york uh, was the loudest audience that i ever heard um otherwise you know it's tough i can't say like you know boston is uh, is the best even though we have great audiences here because pomona sometimes has uh, outshined boston when we used to play the glass house in pomona that was just a fantastic venue we kind of outgrew it which great for us but also you know it changes the people who show up to your shows i think i think we have most of the same fans showing up but but uh the 
the vibe when you're in a uh, uh, you know a partially seated, partially open theater versus a, a smaller standing room only, and you know, and kind of how that all, uh, affects the show and plays into uh, everyone's uh, mood with each other and and how they can enjoy the show. It's 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 all over the place, but um, I I don't I don't have a a favorite destination or a, um, I mean, I definitely would say that I have like, you know, a handful of locations that I really love for different reasons, but, uh, but without a doubt, the loudest, like I felt it in my chest walking out on the stage. It, I, I'd never experienced a human voice like that. Like sometimes Casey, um, Casey will be singing, you know, in the room with us and he's belting it and, uh, and like, I can feel Casey's voice, but when you have, uh, over a thousand people just screaming, uh, it's, it, uh, man, it was like, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. It was really, it was amazing. I couldn't help but smile and then feel, uh, not pressured, but just like excited. You know, I uh, you always get these pre-show jitters, but when I when I sat down behind the kit instead of like thinking because I'm a uh, I judge myself really hard every time I play. If I make the tiniest mistake, it's like oh I didn't play a perfect show, so you, you're you know you you got to fix that next time. You got to play a perfect show. Um, but instead of that, I just sat down. And I was like wow, this is going to be a really cool thing. <laughs> These people. <laughs> well, hopefully everyone takes that as a challenge. Uh, and next time you guys have shows in their area, sure. out, outshine New York. Sure. Yeah, definitely bring bring the energy. Yeah. And I'm sure Rue, uh, our other co-host here, would love to see you guys cross the pond at some point. Do you have any good experiences from playing in uh, any other countries? Oh, hmm. man. Uh, uh, yeah. So when we went over and supported um, Manchester Orchestra, doing uh, a little bit of a European and then a UK run, and then when we also went and did our own UK run, uh, those are really amazing experiences. I love spending time in uh, Italy. We were in Milan, and it was the best espresso I've had in my life. Uh, and then I feel like the next day or shortly thereafter, we went to um, uh, Vienna, Austria, and played this tiny, tiny little stage that I was like really worried about fitting all of us on. But then, you know, <laughs> uh, we... We turn around and the guy's like, all right, who wants espresso? And there's fresh cut tomatoes and, and like a home baked bread and, and cheese and grapes and like all the stuff set out. It's just, of course, I'm talking about food, uh, but, you know, it's it's just the, the, the hospitality there um, was fantastic. In the UK, it's not really like that, um, but uh, in Europe, <laughs> it's absolutely phenomenal. They're just... Uh, I had an incredible time. Uh, I didn't quite care for the spliffs that people had. I just, <laughs> oh. I just like weed in my <laughs> weed. Uh, but, mm. uh, but, yeah. Other than that, it was a fantastic experience. And we always have the desire, but you know, the the especially the more independent you are, I think the harder it is. Unless you go to support someone over there, and then you might not get the paycheck you're looking for. Um, it's hard to get your music uh, out there. And you need to have a label out there that is um, mm. uh, putting your music out for them to uh, to to have you touring and and have anybody with um, that does any booking show any interest. You know they're not going to fill up their clubs and an opportunity for them to make you know even two hundred dollars for something that where they're going to lose money. 
because not enough people show up. So, uh, so I know that we would absolutely love to go back uh, to uh, UK. I love Scotland. Um, Edinburgh was absolutely amazing. Um, the disco loadouts always suck, but you know, uh, UK and uh, Europe is not the only place with disco loadouts. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, no, you a disco to, uh, disco loadout is basically like uh, so. Okay, you're gonna get there for uh, you know sound check and then uh, and then play the show and load out by like nine o'clock, maybe nine thirty or ten at the very very latest, and then they have hmm. a, a DJ come in. And uh, do you know dance club for the rest of the night, uh, and so um, so you have an earlier show than usual, and you also got to get your shit out of there as quick as possible. So rather uh, than yeah. you finishing with the show, walking off the stage, maybe going to merch and talking, you finish the show and you just immediately start breaking your gear down in a in a you know panic frenzy of sweat and screaming, and and then you load it all out to the street, run and chase your band down and. And then, uh, yeah, get out as quick yeah. as possible. As a local musician as well, I, I understand that struggle. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's not ideal. I mean, no, and it it definitely doesn't uh, make you feel valuable at all. Uh, you know, yeah. you're just uh, you're just uh, a component just, of the evening. It isn't a it isn't an event. You know. Yeah, it, you're it, you're just it, uh, a yeah. product. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I guess I kind of know that feeling. I don't know. I um so my band we uh we're based all over. We have members in Europe and Africa and whatnot. But uh so we were looking to see about the logistics of going over there for a tour. And unless I knew someone that like specializes in European tours, it was pretty hard to get them to be convinced enough to to bite to let us play. Yeah, but and but look I don't know at how the, hard it is for Europeans to get to America. But that from what I saw. Bent yeah. Knee is a Boston-based band. Uh, they have crazy fucking music, um, but they're extremely talented and they're wonderful people. And so um, they managed to uh, um, uh, bring... Oh, God, I can't remember their name right now. Uh, uh, they did a U.S. Haken. tour with... I think it was Haken, yeah. Haken, yeah, and then yeah. they went over uh, and abroad Lepers. and toured with them as well over there. And so it's like, even though they're not, uh, you know... I don't think they're fan for fan. They're not going to win over their whole audience by any means. Um, uh, but but they reach enough people because Haken has really... They're not just uh, a metal or a, or a prog band. They like they dance into a couple different areas. They have some jazzy stuff. And they went so, to like, Gent, and that was really shocking. Yeah, some of that, right. Some of their stuff, is, especially their newer album, has some elements of that. But they're... I don't know. I I hadn't really listened to them until I went to uh, see um, uh, Bentney, and then was it uh, Leprous? Yeah, Leprous. Yeah. So uh, I I like the Bentney guys, and I also um, I love the Leprous dudes. So I went to see them them in in Cambridge, and uh, and and I was like, okay, I know I've heard of Haken, but I never really listened to Haken. Uh, and so on the on the drive up, I listened to their new album, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I was able to see that it's you know it's it's right. It's not just for for one simple type of person. Like not to not to degrade because I just listened to um, 
uh, Maynard James Keenan on uh, the Joe Rogan experience on the way home. But like, you know, tool is tool. Tool yeah. sounds like tool. And then everything is like tool. Whereas Haken, you know, and like uh, between the Buried and me um, uh, and us, you know, we, we have uh, we have a lot of different, we like span different genres and can dance in and out. And that's what Bent Knee did. Um, that uh, even though they weren't as metal or as crazy or super technical uh, or, you know, have a, a in, insane amount of notes, at times they do, and at times they are, and so they were able to get onto that tour, partly because they're good people, but also amazing musicians, get onto that tour and build their fan base that way. So so a big part of this, if you're not on a label that's able to... Uh, to, to uh, uh, kind of get those things get that ball rolling for you a big part of that is developing those relationships where you can ask those bands uh and then get out with those bands and uh even if you're not making hardly any money at all maybe you can get out there and get uh you know a, a driver to uh to allow you to open up to a new audience and and play in a location you've never played in before and uh, same with the United States, you can't start at 500 seat rooms. You know, we we played this one spot in uh, uh, I want to say like Albuquerque, um, New Mexico, or or somewhere close to there, where there was an art installation on part of the floor. Um, right on before us was the spoken word poet. And then, you know, the deer hunter plays and in our like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, our, there was maybe 30 or 50 people in that room. It was crazy small. Everyone's snapping as you come on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smooth. Nice. Cats. Nice. Uh, but, but you talked, you talked a little bit about, uh, some of the, some of the musicians that you, you're admiring at the moment. Uh, who, who would you say that, uh, you know, when you're not recording or being a musician, who do you, who do you find yourself listening to these days? Are there any actually, we, artists? We have, uh, yeah, that's an actual by? question. Because uh, I want to give credit oh, to we? the person asking. Uh, Jordan Gang Gagnon Charist, I think is your name. I'm sorry for butchering your name. Uh, he says, I do have one question. I'd be curious to know what Nick considers his influences, both music-wise and drumming-wise. And I guess that could also extend over to um, what you listen to currently. Yeah, kind of a two-part question there. Yeah. You know, wh where did you come from musically, and where do you find yourself now? Well, I'll answer that quickly because you can find that information in... Uh you know, on the the older like uh, gotta do a bit of a uh, bit of a scavenger hunt, yeah. Drum magazine and and, uh, and modern drummer interviews and stuff like that. So, so for the people who aren't super drum technical, that would just be bored by this stuff. I'll just summarize saying that, like uh, when I when I started with music, it was my dad playing music, and then my mom listening to uh, oldies radio and singing harmonies to. Beatles and the Drifters and the Pointer Sisters and 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 uh, and so I just like I liked music and I learned how to sing. Both Casey and I that was our first instrument. My mom, uh, my mom's sister had this Janelle School of Performing Arts, and uh, there was um, dance, but also uh, singing there. And um, and we <laughs> we actually ended up putting on a Beauty and the Beast production where I was oh. guest on in case he was the Beast, uh, and he he would hate to know that I uh, told everyone that. But yeah, it was <laughs> we sang the whole thing and you know and did the whole performance and and um, yeah, that was our internet sleuths start digging. <laughs> 
that was our that was our very first uh, you know instrument. And then uh, Casey started playing guitar because there were guitars all around the house from my dad playing guitar and piano and bass and and uh, and then I started playing bass because Casey was starting to get really good at guitar really quick. Uh, and then uh, I was playing bass along to like um, uh, Aerosmith and and maybe some Nirvana uh, and then. Um, I started playing drums to Nirvana and Aerosmith, uh, just cause they're really simple. I mean, Nirvana, never mind, was the first kind of drum album that I went at. Uh, and, uh, and then as some of my parents like, uh, jazzy stuff, uh, but smooth jazz, like I played along to some, uh, there's this, uh, Polish artist named Basha and she's got this like, uh, almost like, um, cuban latin jazz kind of thing going on and 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 then i was like you know what i need to get i need to get some drum lessons so i went to this guy who's a father of this kid i went to school with uh brandon ferguson his and and brooke ferguson their dad todd ferguson uh sat me down with uh, steely dan and um oh what else oh some uh rosanna uh, you know, Jeff Beccaro from Toto and then some Aretha Franklin and was like, you got to play groove, you got to play pocket, you know, it's not necessarily the mm. amount of notes that'll get you hired. It's, you know, how well you can play this. And, and, uh, and so he turned me on to, um, he turned me on to, uh, not, you know, notes or chops drumming per se, but like groove and pocket drumming and, uh, and so he was, I think, a very important and early influence on me. And then I didn't really have any drum lessons after that. Uh, I started, you know, playing more uh, Dave Matthews Band with Carter Beaufort. And then I got into, uh, when I was 15, um, uh, or maybe 14, my dad turned me on to Weather Report. Uh, and uh, I've been playing drums since I was like 11 or 12. And he got me onto Weather Report and... Uh, and I fell in love with Jocko Pastorius and his bass playing. And so when mm. I was 15, I got a, a Fender fretless jazz bass. And I was uh, I was just playing drums and bass as much as I possibly could. And then uh, I got really into Dave Weckl. And then I had mm. one uh, two-hour lesson with him where he basically tore me down and made me relearn everything because... The way I was holding my hands was wrong. The way my kit was set up was not uh, optimal uh, for you know just my body size and everything, and and my uh, mechanics were messed up, and also my beat construction was messed up, and so he just like flipped me on my lid, and and I had to uh, kind of like relearn the drums, and and uh, yeah, I'd say after Dave Weckl, people have. Um, wowed me, but uh, not as consistently as he did. I wasn't as in awe. Like, there's, uh, I think Aaron Spears is his name. Uh, he's a gospel chops dude, Thomas Pridgen. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's all, all the, uh, I'd say a lot of the new drummers um, that are just crazy talented uh, don't really. Uh, affect me the same way that um, like Dave Weckl did uh, because uh, they're just um, to me isn't as much soul groove or pocket there it's more uh, prowess 
like even uh, 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 is it Gavin Harrison from um, uh, oh god Coheed and Cambria we toured with Coheed and Cambria and then the other band huge band I can't remember their name it was a it was a uh, Gavin Harrison does sound familiar um, yeah he plays hey Jan- hey uh, hey Craig look that up uh, yeah, it looks like a porcupine Craig. tree. Um, yes, King yes. Crimson. Yeah, yeah. So porcupine tree um, was who we went on awesome. tour with Thanks, with uh, Coheed and Cambria, and uh, and it was an amazing tour. But Gavin Harrison is incredibly talented, super amazing drummer, and he's got some groove in pocket. Um, but it just to the the way that he constructs his beats are super interesting. But it just doesn't uh, capture me. Like same with. Uh, um, Mike Portnoy, I, I love that guy. <laughs> that's, he's a, he's a uh, Avert, wonderful yeah. person and a super and a, nice guy, a supporter of the band. Um, but uh, other than his technical ability, you know, I don't hear the uh, the elements from his drumming or who's the who's the Tom Sawyer in Tom Sawyer, oh, uh, Neil, Neil Peart or yeah. Peart, depending on who you ask. Like yeah, uh, the that's not really uh, as appealing to me as when like uh, Bernard Purdy lays down a, a perfect shuffle, um, but that's just me, you know. That's well, you just, said you uh, heard the uh, you heard the new Haken album. What did you think of the drums there? Because that album's pretty praised for the drums from uh, Ray Hearn. Yeah, well, he's another really uh, wonderful dude. I I think um, everything that I heard on that album was, you know, like he can really dance around the genres really well. I feel like he's not uh, married to one particular style. Um, But, but, yeah, I haven't uh, haven't gone back to the album many times, you know? Same thing with uh, Dude, the Between the Barity Me drummer. Uh, Oh, Blake. Blake is is the shit. He's yeah nasty too. He is so 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 freaking good. Um, but but he leans towards metal. You know, I think um, uh, he's the kind of guy that uh, he can play anything that you tell him. Like he's he's just a human drum machine. But as far as it uh, coming naturally to him or kind of what he feels, it's uh, it's polyrhythmic. Uh, you know, independent, odd metered um technical uh proficient kind of drumming you know as his yeah. like uh, i feel like that's mm-hmm. what his his core uh you know drumming spirit is it's like that kind of drummer um and so do you, nothing do you against find those uh, pretty... guys and... go ahead well i was, I was gonna ask about uh, kind of your, your own drumming because you're mentioning uh many of the different styles and not only influenced you but you, you kind of observe do you find it to be pretty uh freeing and and uh, help helpful to creative process to be in a band that explores so many different genres and, and can really uh push the envelope of what progressive music is yeah totally i mean uh, the deer hunter is still limited it's not a um it's not a totally free band uh but uh the, the amount of uh, a groove and pocket that I'm able to employ in the beats and also the construction of them is, to me, a, a more freeing and liberating than um, uh, I, not necessarily more repetitive music, but maybe more uh, structurally limited music. Um, I, I noticed that you also don't use a uh, you don't use a double pedal. Is that also like based on your uh, influence and the style uh, you like to approach drums kinda. with? Kind of. 
kind of because Dave Wacko plays with the double pedal, and I was playing with the double pedal for a little bit, but then I realized how it um, it it changed my focus to to um, number of notes, not quality of notes, and it also limited my uh, freedom. Um, mm. I felt like mm. I had to incorporate the double kick in fills and solos and um, and potentially beat construction. And, uh, yeah, and where, where it pushed my hi-hat and made me set up my snare and toms, it just didn't, didn't really uh, tell me that uh, it's important enough for me to work on or, or grow with uh, more that, uh, that I just needed to, um, for, for my heart and my style, just stick with a, a single mm-hmm. and try to incorporate some amount of speed in my right foot, um, but uh, to... Yeah, to 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 make it a a note and not a sound. Hmm. Yeah, because um, I've I've noticed that the way you write your parts, you 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 seem to have really good discipline with, uh, just really good discipline with not overplaying, but yeah. not holding back too much. Is that coming yeah, naturally to you, or that's not? It's not always me that's writing the parts. Um, hmm. Uh. Casey definitely has a lot of uh, influence, uh, not necessarily on the um, the entirety of the beat or where the you know fills or or whatever goes, but uh, he's definitely one person that uh, helped me to kind of write um, uh, rather than a one bar phrase. Uh, uh, he inspired me to write a four or an eight bar phrase for the drum beat uh, to give it you know some flow and some movement. Um, and I think, uh, uh, probably, probably if you were to ask Casey, he would say that he wished that I was a a little, um, more, um, uh, busy or or had, you know, more, more movement, uh, in parts than I, than I do. Um, and I know he, he appreciates me as a drummer, but there are also times where he's like, yeah, and go crazy here. And I'm like, I don't know how to go crazy here. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I have to spend time figuring out how to go crazy here because that's not me. Um, well, yeah, it actually looks like you answered uh, David Nariamata's questions too. So I'm trying to just give these people because they, they asked, uh, it's, it's brilliant. You're, asking, you're answering a lot of these questions is off the cuff and it's great. Cool. So uh, I didn't really answer who I uh, listened to lately or kind of gain inspiration from because... Uh, just to quickly touch on that, I don't really listen to uh, many people or gain too much inspiration uh, from music. Um, it's it's kind of few and far between that that happens. Uh, mostly, it's just me putting on stuff that kind of puts me in a good mood. Uh, a lot of that is '80s pop, um, just that classic synthy poppy that drives a lot of people crazy. Of course, I was born in '81, so it's a little different. Hmm. Um, hmm. Uh, I I just love putting that music on, and then also I'll listen to uh, like I like to cook and put on uh, uh, Basha, um, the sweetest thing is the name of the album because my mom would put it on when we cooked together, and this uh, Japanese artist um, Yutaka something or other I can't remember his last name. He made this album that I can only find on YouTube called Brazasia B R A Z A S I A which is like more just smooth jazz kind of 
uh, cheesy stuff, but I don't know. It just reminds me of happy, wonderful times with family. And so, so I, I put a lot of that stuff on when I'm working, but I also really love like uh, one band that I am listening to. Well, I love Snarky Puppy. Lingus is one of the yeah. most powerful songs of all time to me. Yeah, um, it's incredible. That, that Corey Henry uh, solo. I don't know if Chick Corea or anybody does, has done, Stevie Wonder has done anything finer than that. It was. Yeah, I mean, have you totally seen him on the. Incredible. You've seen him on the organ. Like that, oh, that's yeah. where he shines. I've seen oh, him twice and he's. Absolutely. He, but, blown me but, away. Just his his notes and his phrasing and everything on on Lingus uh, is absolutely mm. incredible, and he hasn't duplicated it. You know, you've seen him, um, or I don't know if you have, but if you're a fan of that song, you've seen him perform it a couple other times. And one time yeah. he's like, "I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it," and then he does this <laughs> weird solo that isn't all that great, but it's because he knows that he killed it on that fucking recording, and he can't really top himself, and he's not going to. Um, you know, quote that every time that he plays it, but now mm. it's this huge thing for him. So, uh, so yeah, so Snarky Puppy, I love this band called Knower, K N O W E R, which has, um, oh, yeah, I love Knower, yeah, Lewis Cole, that's another one, yeah, Just he's him. super talented, he's, he's, he's almost a savant these days, he's incredible. But him and uh, Genevieve, I think, is her name, who's an amazing vocalist, yeah, the, the, the singer, yeah, uh, they met, I think, at Berkeley. Uh, so, um, yeah, they're, they, I'm really inspired by their stuff cause it's abnormal, but it's also super fucking funky. Um, it's fun. Yeah. I love the videos they put out where they're just recording in the house and they seem oh, like they're having a great time. It, so it really, good. I mean, that was what got me into them is seeing how much fun they're having, uh, performing the music. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just a character. I think Gavin showed me his stuff when it was the, um, check my bank account that, that video and, yeah. uh, yeah, he's yeah. So really, really great. I love uh, putting on this band called Chromio, um, uh, just because it's funky, synthy, simple stuff. Uh, but but yeah, I, I don't think there's. Uh, I would say uh, most of the stuff that I listen to, just like my TV habits, is it it, it makes me feel good. I enjoy listening to it, uh, but. Uh, there's no necessarily, uh, necessarily. There's no like um, uh, wonder, amazement in like this uh, emotionally heavy sense. You know, uh, it's it's all just light, smiling, happy, cool, fun stuff. Yeah, I mean that. that I find that pretty interesting. Um, one question we actually have that I thought was pretty interesting kind of plays upon. Um, when you were talking about uh, piano players and synth players from, uh-huh. I believe it is uh, from Colin Sullivan. He said that, um, question for Nick from a drummer. You once commented that you take a pretty melodic approach to drumming, liking it, likening it to playing a piano. Can you talk about that and about what characteristics makes a melodic drumming approach? And you kind of yeah. touched upon that to an extent, but... Yeah, yeah, well, uh, so I think uh, that's one of the reasons why I have uh, four crash cymbals instead of just one or two. Um, cause I cannot stand hearing gah, 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 the same yeah. tone over and mm. over again. Every time somebody filled, I just give me a slightly different note and it, it's enough of a relief for me to not feel like, um, I almost feel it in my body. Like same with a bad song or uh, for me, uh, not a bad song, you know, by anyone else's standards or universally bad song, 
just a song that is affecting me negatively. It hits this one part of my body um, because it doesn't, to me, it either doesn't have enough um, uh, uniqueness, uh, passion, uh, you know, like I hit on different parts of my body, my brain, the left side of my body, the right side of my body, my legs get tingles, my feet feel good, my hands are tingling. Like all over my body, it's being like sympathetically played uh, by the music, like traveling through it. And so when I listen to the same crash again and again, it's, sitting me, it's hitting me on the same part of the body, uh, the same toms or the same beat, I'm getting hit repeatedly in the same location. And so that gets, uh, it's kind of distracts me from everything because I can't, um, I, I don't feel like I'm on a journey. I feel like somebody's poking me, uh, in the same spot. And, hmm. and so, um, so when I play drums, when I write drums, the reason that I try to do the four bar phrases, the eight bar phrases, why I try to have at least, uh, you know, uh, three toms, um, is because, uh, because I want to be hit in those different parts of my body, and I don't want to be hit every four beats. I want to be hit, you know, uh, over uh, sixteen beats or, or thirty-two beats, and 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 it spaces out that nagging person just tapping on your shoulder, trying to get your attention. Um, uh, and it's yeah, and then it feels more like a journey and more like a. Um, a musical approach to drumming, which is why I said more than like, uh, you know, a tone, it's a note. When I, when I use the kick as a note instead of a, a, a noise or, or mm -hmm. just, um, yeah, uh, a, a mark, um, to, to, to make things sound more chaotic, then I can, I can speak through it and, uh, and, and I can try attempt to communicate with my instrument in that way. And so, I mean, you know, Buddy Rich, he had a decent amount of drums, not a, not a crazy amount of cymbals. He still was, you know, uh, absolutely incredible. Oh, man, who's the the first drummer for uh, Mars Volta? Oh, yeah, let me look at it up. Actually, you know what? Let me get Craig to do that shit. Come on, uh, Craig, you got the, this. The names in general for the Mars Volta I always have problems with. They finated, and there's so much there, so I, I can never remember him anyway. Thomas Pridgen was the second, but he replaced... Uh, Craig looks like he's saying uh, John Philip Theodore. John Theodore, yeah, dude, he had nothing. Look at for Craig drums. coming in. He maybe had like one symbol, um, like a big ride, and then he he made his kit sound huge. Like I never got sick of his his uh, craziness or his drumming. It was just so creative and bombastic. But for whatever reason, if I try to play on a kit that size, uh, I would probably need some time to. Hmm. Uh, to be able to speak on it and not feel stifled or uh, uninspired, and so that—that's really what I mean by by uh, you know you can you can make your instrument same thing with a bass you know you can make it melodic and supportive and like Paul McCartney did where he's just he's not always playing the root either he's playing a, a bass line not just the root note but a bass line or he's playing a a third, a fifth, a fourth, you know, something along with it that makes it sound extra melodic. Or you can just, you know, uh, play, you know, exactly what's needed and, and, and play a, a Beach Boy bass line. But I, but I can't get much joy from uh, um, Sugar Pie, honey, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a cool bass line, but uh, 
but I, I just need a, a little more, little more than just the root. Something to mix it up a little bit. Something to, uh, to, to speak with the melody, and that's what having a, a variety of drums does for me. Is it, is a, it allows me to treat it more like a, an instrument, uh, a melodic instrument, than just uh, uh, some sounds that go well together. Uh, Rick Orta actually had a question uh, that I think kind of tags along with this as far as like uh, the way you play drums and the way you like your approach to drums. Are there any of the albums you've worked on that were more creatively rewarding than any of the others? Or I, I mean, even to simplify, do you have a, a favorite album that you've worked on? Uh, oh man. Uh, I don't know. I know it's a loaded question because there's, there's a ton of great options there. Well, yeah, it's tough because um, like I listened to uh migrant and i i had some really cool groovy wonderful moments in that but then also like uh uh the way that it was um like there's this one beat where i i can't remember what the song is and that's terrible but the beat is better to get you better to get you and it's like the whole time but what i wanted it to be was this uh like this way softer much larger difference between you know um uh what it ended up being uh and so like while that was really rewarding and fun in the moment once i heard it after the fact uh it was like oh man this is not this sounds like i'm just uh playing you know kind of a marching beat with both hands and this isn't um it's too compressed it's not uh, organic enough and so um so there, there are times like that when it's a, a little bit of a letdown, and it's not always easy to capture that stuff exactly how I hear it or how I want it. You know, sometimes it's it's not that realistic. You have to be in a, you know, a live setting, hearing the drums organically, and and uh, to really to really get that. But but yeah, I, there there are plenty of moments like that where you have a, a wonderful time or the best of intentions, and then it kind of gets uh, uh, squashed a little bit. Um, or I feel like, uh, like it, um, it changes my beats to, from, from it, uh, being this kind of a groovy moving thing to a little more uh, monotonous. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, the, uh, recording the black album because it was Casey just saying, okay, uh, let's do some songs at, uh, you know, a couple different tempos. Uh, just play some crazy beats and, uh, you know, some fills and stuff, and I'll edit it together. <laughs> and so <laughs> just he like, just, just like chop me... it up mentality. Huh? Just like chopping it up and putting it back together. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just sat and I played a, a bunch of different drum stuff for like uh, 20 minutes or a half an hour. And then he took all of those things and made the Black Album out of it. And so that was really exciting seeing how he, how he turned you know, my beats and the songs and, um, yeah, that was a yeah, shit ton of fun. I remember hearing that, uh, Mr. Usher was kind of written the same way. He kind of yes. wrote that song. Over yeah. The I played drums. the drums first and then thought of the hits in my head. And then Casey just, uh, yeah, wrote the, wrote the hits to that. Um, so how did you find that? Cause I guess you kind of took the lead. Yeah, well, I just thought, I just thought, like, you know, this, this is, uh, if, if, uh, but that, you know, jazz bands hmm. have that kind of thing, and, 
and the way that uh, they'll kind of intersperse with the kick in the hats uh, and the kick not being all the time, but accenting things. And I don't know. I just I thought like, okay, let me go to not crazy jazz drums, but just simple, almost big bandy kind of jazz drums. Hmm. And then yeah, Casey was able to easily interpret all of that and make it uh, uh, super cool. Um, wow. uh, also, the recording the Red album, there was uh, there's a beat that I I can't remember what the name of that song is. Was that Couldn't um, Do It Alone? That, yeah. that might be it. But uh, I loved playing that beat. Because uh, the the little chorusy section, uh, there's this little open hi hat thing that I do, and and then I also do this off hit on the crash, and and uh, <laughs> it was just it was just writing that tune with with uh, the Manchester Orchestra dudes, and and uh, having that whole experience was it was a little stressful, but it was mostly uh, unbelievable. Um, and they they didn't seem like as big as they were. They're just uh, they were just amazing dudes who had the opportunity and decided to uh, assist. So that was a really positive, really wonderful experience. And, and recording the Red Album especially was a was a was a fun thing. Um, so yeah, I guess those two albums on the color spectrum. Otherwise, every album has a has a story, you know. Um, as to what the process was and cool things that came out of it. But uh, I don't think necessarily that uh, any one in particular is like, yeah, this album was the shit to record through and through. No, I mean, that, that's, that's a great answer, yeah, especially because the, the color spectrum is so varied. It's, it's interesting to hear that, you know, those ones in particular were the ones that you really creatively enjoyed working on. Yeah, to, totally. to pivot from music a little bit. Last time we talked in Cleveland, you mentioned uh, not only do you perform music, but you're, you're a bit more of a visual artist. Uh, can, you, can you give me more more information about that? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a bit more of a visual artist, but I'm starting to get into it. And like uh, the thing that I've been staring at this whole time is this uh, uh, New Balance shoe with a big um, uh, human shit coming out of it, uh, and. Uh, I painted that uh, with watercolor and uh, and pen, and I don't plan on like giving it away or selling it or anything like that. But I had this like I, I just like I just like all art. I would say even the stuff that makes me uncomfortable. I just think it's cool that you can make a statement without really having to sit someone down and explain, uh, you know. Uh, this this is what I feel and why. Instead, you just present it and you're like, check this out. What do you think about this? And you can look at this New Balance shoe and you can think like, oh, it's a shoe with the shit coming out of it. But then if you saw the other things that I had along with it, which is maybe some Yeezys with some shit coming out of it or Very a Gucci bag artist. with some shit coming out of it or you know, name any expensive clothing company with shit coming out of it. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's removing the value um that we've <clears throat> placed on these artifacts um not artifacts on these on these things these items these these um you know just the value that we put on on yeah, shoes status and symbols. purses and 
you know, and it's it's ridiculous. And so so the statement there is that uh, that yeah, this stuff is all worthless. Like it 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 really holds no significant value. Um, it's just shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> so. So that that was one idea, and then I had another idea of painting things that are just like uh, I remember when I was a kid, I would close my eyes and see the image that I was just looking at in a weird way. Like if I'm looking out the window and I see the uh, telephone lines, if you're staring at the same spot in your window, you see the line like boop boop has that little bend and that flow, and and then you close your eyes and you see. Uh, you know that same bend and and the the telephone pole that was just passing you or the power line locked in that place and so I thought it would be cool to do like a, a series of those just things that either I remember as a kid when I closed my eyes like seeing and one of them is the telephone and the power lines going by or uh, just uh you know mountainside as I'm driving back from the beach falling asleep in the back seat um. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's, aside from doing screen printing, which is something I had much more high hopes for, and then, you know, life happens, uh, <clears throat> that, that was really the only, um, uh, that, that's as far as I went. It was, uh, was those two things, and thinking about it, and then, and then partially executing one, and then slightly executing another. <laughs> But I have a genuine interest in doing it. I think it's an awful medium to uh, to have a dialogue um, or to put uh, something out there for people to feel. <clears throat> and uh, and if I had more time for it, I would. Well, I'm personally take intrigued by uh, by the shit concept. I, just, I think that sounds not not only hysterical, <laughs> but like you said, you know, it's kind of uh, it's it's taking the piss out of these status symbols that we use to kind of represent ourselves when they're they're really just. Where would you hang that though? You know, you're not going to put it. I'll in hang the it. Right, I'll hang it right above and, my bed. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I put it in my studio. <laughs> oh god, so silly. But yeah, why? Why? Thank you. Well, uh, we have uh, we have a pretty lighthearted question. I don't know if you want to touch upon this from uh, Rachel Valerio. I'm sorry for butchering all your names. It's it's not my fault. It's Craig's. Um, she says non band related question for Nick Hunter, Steve, and Rue because Rue's nice. the afterthought. Uh, favorite plant. <laughs> House plant, preferably if you have one, but otherwise favorite plants in general. Other than the deer hunter, I love. I also love plants, so I gotta know. Well, the first one that comes to me is a fern, because uh, I really like the bumpy stuff on the underside of the leaves, <laughs> um, which I think is like their little food sacks where they like store excess, right? So when uh, uh, food is not plentiful on the ground, they can kind of suck it from their leaves. That's interesting. What about no. what about uh yeah? What about you, Hunter? Another thing. Another thing about ferns is I learned I learned this in biology that uh, they have tons of chromosomes. Like I mean, hundreds. It's it's just an absurd amount. So it's always interesting to to look at those from like a, a physiological perspective. Sounds I would like say me. my favorite plants. I'm a I'm a sucker for flowers. I, I really am. Uh, I just I love things that are pretty. Uh, they make me feel happy. I like to uh, be happy all the time. So I just I love pretty flowers. The brighter, the better. The the more in your face, the better. That's kind of a tough answer, though, because that's that plants. It's a cop out. Plants and flowers. I don't, you're, I don't think you're simple enough. She said house mm. plants too, though. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Everybody loves flowers, dude. <laughs> what 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 plant do you like? What plant? Plant. Bush. Um, <laughs> uh, cactus. 
can't can't say much of a botanist. I guess Joshua trees. I lived in California for a period of time, okay. and, and jo- Joshua trees really bring back kind of a sense of familiarity with that. Nice. Huh. But still, I'm, I'm sticking to flowers. I love flowers. Gardenia <laughs> is my mom's favorite flower, so anytime I smell gardenia, I think of my mom. That's really cool. Uh, Rue? Uh, I was thinking about this because I saw the question. My favorite probably wouldn't be a house plant, but it's... Uh, I think they're called, like, pitcher plants. They're these uh, carnivorous plants that in, like, the rainforest. And they're oh. kind of shaped like a, a kind of like like a jug kind of thing and it's oh. like this you know the one with the the slippery yeah. surface they, they go it, to right they go to drink it smells sweet down there they go to drink from it they slip they can't get out and then they just get dissolved yeah someone someone's gonna take these answers and like psychologically evaluate us <laughs> <laughs> yeah steve oh, what, what yeah. else you got for us what other questions we have other questions uh well it looks like we're actually nearing the hour so do you guys want to keep going or what well, there is. There's one thing I want to touch on with Nick. Uh, if I, I know what a lot of us love about the deer hunter is, is kind of how structured you guys are and how you release things and, and how things are presented. So, w- without divulging too much or kind of ruining any surprise, can you can you talk about anything you guys are working on? Anything upcoming? Anything we should be super excited about, or should we just continue to be patient forever? Uh, yeah, I know that's we do we do. Well, I wouldn't say that we ask a lot of our fans in in that sense because while I the immediate um, the immediate thing to think is like, wow, you guys are being really patient and, you know, and you allow us to kind of do our own thing. <clears throat> and while I am thankful for that, it's also, and oh, so, okay. So I'm thankful for that. And we, we owe what we have to the support and the love from our fans, but that's not why we do this. Right. So the reason that we do this is because we feel inspired to do this. We love playing with each other. <clears throat> we love each other. Uh, and, uh, and so this, like, uh, I've likened it to us, like, being in a room together. And there's this tiny ball of energy that is just, like, sitting uh, in the middle of all of us. And either we're playing and we're uninspired and that little ball is just sitting there waiting for you know, more fuel to get bigger and bigger, uh, or we're putting fuel into it and we're inspired and we're all working together and it like sucks us in. And then we're just inside like this, this, ah, man, I I don't even know how to explain it, but just everything gets created quickly and we all are communicating with each other and, and things are, things are incredible. And so that's why we do it is for that feel and for the ability to, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, not not only like explore ourselves and and what we're feeling and what we're capable of, but also to uh, uh, give ourselves to the music specifically and each other. And then it's the effect that it has on other people that is the icing on the cake, not the not the cause for the creation of it, but the bonus as a result. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can understand uh, yeah. from a creative point of view, you guys aren't sitting around just wanting to right. please the fans. I, I just, I think, I guess right, with the Deer right. Hunter, the way they've released things, uh, it's always been very tantalizing to be a fan of the Deer Hunter because in a, in a lot in a lot of ways, <laughs> you do have to kind of sit and wait, you know, sit, sit around and talk with fans like yeah. we do. We sit around and talk about the old music, we yeah. engage with each other, and what you guys do and allows us yeah, to and, and, like. Yeah, and, and I also love that... so many other bands that we love too, because like the group we built, like a kind that's of a community. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, you guys, you guys share um, 
you share information with each other, not only about, uh, you know, other bands similar to the Deer Hunter that have the same kind of thing, um, like uh, uh, the Reign of Kindo, or now just Kindo. I fucking love that band. Uh, and uh, and uh, Rhythm Chord Melody, I think, is like one of my favorite albums ever. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, but like, uh, you know, I would say that um, not all of the Deer Hunter fans, but some of the Deer Hunter fans know about that band and being able to share that band. And, uh, you know, when we went on tour with Sean, I had never really heard Sean. Uh, and then I started listening to them and fell in love with them. And, and I just think that the, uh, the sharing other bands that, that inspire you and having that, um, it, it just seems like everybody in the forum that, uh, that you guys created. Everybody is just, for the most part, really supportive, um, uh, genuine, and uh, and cool people. Like I, I really like the, even if it isn't exclusively Deer Hunter, which I know Scott Charles is. He is he. <laughs> <laughs> he's an incredible dude. I've met him several times, uh, and he is just like he's the shit. He's a Deer Hunter fan through and through. He's a sweetheart of a guy. Um, he uh, also has this. Uh, um, Lisa is a is our friend, uh, but she's very small, and somehow Scott always ends up near her at a show, and she gets up in front of him, and he's like cool with that, and and uh, and it's just it's this awesome community of really good people, and so the more that you can share things and and spread the love and and. Uh, and yeah, and just make each other happy, and 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 uh, continue to like put out cool things. I, I think that that's uh, yeah, that's a real, it's a really wonderful thing that that uh, that service that you provide, and I I like being a part of it as well. Well, thank yeah, we we really appreciate the fact that you're always in there, kind of hanging out with us, and it, it makes the the whole thing a lot easier. Uh, and and what I yeah. gather from all that is what you're saying is there's a new album coming very soon. Is that right? <laughs> yeah so very soon as relative as tool i i will say I, I guess what i can tell you is that uh the the okay so how do i word this i guess i can just say that the the next release so we have a tour on the horizon and it's going to be announced shortly um and uh and it's a it's a it's a tour that is some hints at some things, but also um, kind of uh, setting up something, setting up something for the future, and and uh, and it's not going to be, it's not going to be an extension of the deer hunter story. It's going to be, uh, and it's not going to be a completely new, um, like now we're going to start down another ten year path with a different story. Uh, it's just uh, it's just us doing something else, similar to the fact that, uh, um, as we were explaining before the podcast, uh, similar to the taking a break between um, you know Acts three and then four and five, uh, and doing uh, Migrant in the Color Spectrum, and also the Color Spectrum being on the back burner for years, where Casey had the idea but he never really executed it because he didn't really feel um, uh, pushed to do it. Uh, you and know, you waited until records he... by them too, huh? So my favorite records by you guys too. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, so it, it was uh, it was 
everything that we do has to come naturally. It has to come organically. It cannot be forced because when it is forced, then uh, it really uh, drives Casey's inspiration and enjoyment way down. Um, and uh, and then nothing is fun for anybody because he is definitely the captain of the ship. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so, so there's going to be a tour on the horizon. We're going to hint at, uh, uh, some stuff that uh, we're going to be doing in the future. And then I believe the idea is in, I think January, um, we're going to be getting together for as much as a month. Um, and, uh, which sounds like normal, uh, band shit for people who are like you know uh, i don't know i guess if you're uh a, a popular musician who makes money exclusively off of music and you spend uh, six months in the studio or whatever it's like oh yeah that's you know that's what musicians do but we're hmm. we're like working class that also is able to play music but taking a, a month off of work to to get out and and being creative together and really pouring ourselves into something is uh, is asking a lot of everybody. And also the you know the even though we really love each other, we're all grown adults, and so uh, having that kind of proximity with people, um, however much you enjoy them, uh, for a month when you're a grown adult is uh, is difficult to to do. You know, and you have to kind of like. You have to be a cog in the machine. You can't just be a bunch of separate machines coming together. You gotta like you gotta assemble the watch <laughs> and make it work mm. perfectly, and then beautiful things happen. Otherwise, if uh, if we're all just you know trying to uh, state our own uh, needs or um, you know expectations, then things uh, fall flat pretty quickly, and we get uninspired, and we just uh, yeah, and then then we then we just drag, and that's no fun at all. So. So I think that uh, yeah that there there is uh, you were also saying Casey was saying that uh, the new stuff is going to make the the acts look like uh, a demo. Yeah, um, I mentioned that before we uh, yeah. started because that's what Casey I believe said on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and and it, so right, so the the stuff that we're doing is not Act Six. It's not it's not Deer Hunter related, um, but it it is something that Casey. And I, uh, but uh, you know, Casey is extremely excited and passionate about. And uh, yeah, if if for nothing else, it just goes to show the level of um, uh, inspiration and, and excitement that he has for creating this new music, and and that in itself should be uh, uh, exciting for people. That that Casey, who I, I love everything that he creates but um i i'm excited to to hear you know what his mind is going to do with this uh with all this new stuff that he's creating and and where it can go um because it's 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 vast and it's it's really cool but it's also it's also another step for for the band that isn't like uh you know, we're not the same band that we were for Act One or the misleading demos. You know, every single album has, while it's Casey's voice and Casey's mind and his heart, uh, you can hear how it uh, has progressed, matured, and um, and really uh, uh, branched out 
uh, from 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 where it started to to something that is uh, it, it's just constantly evolving. I got to say, you struck the perfect home between uh, clarity and ambiguity there, and it makes me very excited. So I I appreciate everything you've been able to tell us so far. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think. I think I speak for all of us when I say that we, we appreciate all you guys do. Uh, we appreciate you coming here and talking with us a bit. I'm sure everyone uh, is going to be very excited to hear you know, uh, what's going on in the mind of Nick Crescenzo. And uh, hopefully you've had fun. We'd love to have you back sometime if uh, you wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, sounds of like course. we might need a part two. We, yeah, have, of uh, we have so many questions. Well, I... I, I appreciate your guys' level of interest and, uh, and also uh, the fact that you... That you uh, spent some time at uh, learning about what what interests me, because uh, hmm. yeah, I I like sharing that information, and I, and I hope that uh, I hope that I've inspired uh, people to uh, uh, just not not take things at uh, face value and look a little deeper, and and also find um, the beauty and the movement in things, um, because uh, that's what's that's what's most interesting to me. It's just taking a beat and and really um looking deeper into everything whether it's a, a piece of art or a song you know like uh like um, in, enjoy the moment uh, it sounds ridiculous but you're driving down the road you can be thinking about you can think in, you can be thinking about all these negative things especially things that happened five ten years ago that don't make a shit's worth a difference and and uh, what time you got up that day or or you know how how fast you take a shit in the morning. It, it doesn't have any effect on any of that. It, it just, I'm present sometimes driving down the road, looking at the trees, thinking, wow, it's sunny out. Uh, cool. I'm in a car. When I was a kid, I used to have to ride a bike everywhere. Or I can, or I can dive into some dark thoughts and then really, you know, just be uh, upset and, and, and negative and pessimistic. And, and so the more times that I allow myself to be in the moment to be present and thankful for exactly what's surrounding me and also to uh, look a little deeper and uh, and feel the groove in the in the pocket and the like i was saying the flow with the metering and the beats and all of that stuff the more chances i have to uh, to soak that up and to uh, and to also to share that feeling with others um the, the happier i am so thank you for affording me that opportunity yeah absolutely like i said thank you we loved it thank you uh, steve do you want to go ahead and give us a quick outro uh sure well i, I just want to say uh so this is episode one of the dear apparition podcast so i really want to be thankful for hunter and rue first of all for being and helping and just helping make everything great with this i really want to give a special thank you to you nick because you made such a wonderful first episode to kick off everything uh, you're very welcome thank you guys as well mm. And uh, I'd love to, I'd love to have him uh, back on in the future, where we can get a little bit more technical too, discuss uh, a lot of the nerdy side of music. You got it. Yeah, be sure to be sure to check us out on uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify. We are all over the place, uh, so feel free to Apple Music. Yeah, go to our Facebook page, Dear Apparition Podcast. You could find us all over the place, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy listening to what we make as much as we enjoy making it. Yeah, so uh, let's just finish off with this. Uh, Nick, uh, do you have any announcements that you want to make for yourself, or where can they find you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's usual, right? Uh, tell the yeah. people what you have going on in your life. Uh, I, I don't really have any announcements per se. I mean, if you want to follow me, I'm kind of uneventful, but it's just, it's Nicky Nines, uh, N-I-C-K-Y-N-I-N-E-S on, uh, on Instagram, but... Uh, 
But uh, yeah, I, I, I would say just um, I, I really, really, really appreciate the patience uh, from the fans, the support from the fans, and allowing us to kind of just uh, um, do this how we want to do this and uh, experience the music and create it how we want. And and uh, that, that that is just a supreme gift, having the, the ability to do that um, and... Uh, and so, yeah. So, so thank you very, very much for for your patience and your support. And uh, and the uh, please come out and see me at a show in the future, especially uh, if you want to have a conversation. A conversation. I wow. see what you did there. Uh, what about you, Hunter? <laughs> um, ever to find me at Megadrugi, M E G A D R O O G I E. I'm all over the place. Reddit, Discord, uh, Facebook, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Rue and Steve. Uh, Rue, what about you? Uh, yeah, so you can find me, I'm Rue Nottage on Facebook, uh, Rue Nottage on Instagram as well. Um, those are pretty much the only ones I use, to be fair. I'm <laughs> trying to wean myself off, slowly. Good man. Uh, smart yeah. man. I wish I could do that. Um, yeah, I guess you could find me on uh, Facebook under Steve May, or uh, Instagram or Twitter, because I'm trying to learn to use Twitter like the cool kids. Uh, those you can find me as Drakentas underscore D-R-A-K-O-N-T-A-S underscore and uh, hopefully I have some music coming out soon we got some news coming out as well so if you uh, like the kind of stuff that I do uh, stay tuned to that and um, I don't want to forget I also want to thank Area 22 Productions for helping and making all of this possible so uh, you can go find Area 22 Productions on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch or whatever platform your heart desires so uh, thanks again so with that, I want to thank uh, I want to thank again Nick for coming on. We really appreciate it, and uh, thanks again to Hunter Roof for all this. And we hope that you guys enjoy this, and we hope that you guys can uh, stay tuned for what we have in the future for all the big stuff we have uh, approaching with this podcast. So thank you, and uh, anything else, Hunter? No, nope. this has uh, been episode one, and uh, everyone have a great one. Have a good night or a day. Good night. Yeah, bye.